0: Ozark Highlands Radio is brought to you by the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas. A wonderful way to enjoy yesterday on the web at ozarkfolkcenter.com. And by Stone Bank, a community bank supporting entrepreneurs and farmers nationwide with loans guaranteed by the USDA, SBA, and Farm Services Agency. Learn more at stonebank.com. And the Arkansas Arts Council, empowering the arts for the benefit of all Arkansans on the web at (laughs) arkansasarts.org.
1: Greetings, everybody. This is Dave Smith, host of Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome to our show. If you like the sound of Delta Blues, we have a treat for you this week as we present music and interviews with Alvin Youngblood Hart, recorded live here at the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas. Also, in his segment, Back in the Hills, Dr. Brooks Blevins continues to investigate the history of tourism in the entertainment mecca of the Ozarks, Branson, Missouri. That's this week, right here on Ozark Highlands Radio. Alvin Youngblood Hart was born in Oakland, California in 1963 and spent some time in Carroll County, Mississippi in his youth where he was influenced by the Mississippi country blues performed by his relatives. Hart is known as one of the world's foremost practitioners of country blues. Let's start this show with a blues song from 1937.
2: Thank you. All right, we right. do this song here. This is, uh, this is another one I wrote uh, a while back. Uh, was inspired by a, uh, a great musical friend of mine, uh, a gentleman by the name of Henry J. Townsend. Some of y'all might have heard of Henry, I don't know. I, uh, I got turned on Henry's music when I was a teenager. I didn't know anything much about him. I found out that he was from a a place called Shelby, Mississippi, which is about uh, about 10 minutes, 15 minutes drive south of Memphis. And I found out that he ran away from home when he was eight years old and uh, moved up to Cairo and stayed there for a good while and then moved up to St. Louis. He, uh, he made his uh, his first records in 1929 when he was 19 years old. If you hadn't heard it, you gotta check it out. It was, it was a sensational, blow Robert Johnson and all that right out of the water. right? So, um, like I say, I, I heard about Henry when I was uh, about 19, I guess, 18, 19 years old. And uh, at some point I found out, oh, this guy is still alive, you know? And um, so a few years went by, and um, you know I did all this other stuff, and then started going out playing music uh, full time. And um, I'd made some friends up in St. Louis um, through, through the guitar training community, whatever. And um, they knew Henry. So um, I went up there to play a gig, and they invited him to come out. And uh, that's where I first met him. And, uh, we became fast friends fast friend. Um, so um, every time after that, subsequently, you know, um, I'd go play up there and Henry would always come out to my gigs and hang out.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, I, I, a lot of times, you know, I'll tell the story about how he influenced me on this stuff and whatever. Um, he'd come, <laughs> he would come out to uh, my rock gigs on his, in his uh, FUBU denim suit and uh, his rascal powered scooter and sit there all night, you know, and, and uh, of course, on that gig, I don't play this stuff, so so I didn't tell the story about how he influenced me and this and that, so he's uh, at the end of the night, he comes up to me and says, you know, man, you didn't even talk about me. <laughs> so from that day on, every time I play this song, I have to tell the story about Henry Townsend. And Henry, uh, Henry passed away in the fall of, of, uh, when was that? 90, of, of, of 06, at the age of 96, I think. I was somewhere there? Um, so, uh, Henry, I'm talking about you. Wherever you at. Hope you guys like this song called If the Blues Was Money. Can you dig it?
4: Drink a water, give me two pentani. children have a hard time summer day mother children have a hard time summer day get your grief like you don't know send you cry from door to door Nobody treats treat you like a mother can mother did home. Do. So, to do all she can do now, Somebody day. So, to do all she can do. Soon as she met, turn her back on you, nobody treat you like a mother can. Mother did her. Oh. Father, do the best he can now, Somebody day. Father, do the best he can now, Somebody day. So many things he can't understand come and treat you like a mother can
3: with the dead heart
4: Now, day, do all can do now, all do, turn on you like a mother,
1: Alvin Youngblood Heart, performing at our twenty twenty two Summer Blues Festival. We first heard Alvin sing Mama Don't Allow Me to Stay Out All Night Long, a song penned by Robert Lee McCoy in 1937. He followed that with one of his original songs, If the Blues Was Money, and finished the set with Some of These Days. We've got lots more good stuff from this versatile entertainer right after this short break. You're listening to Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome back to Ozark Highlands Radio, where this week we're celebrating the Delta Blues sound of Alvin Youngblood Hart. In addition to being a blues man, Hart is known as a faithful torchbearer for 1960s and 70s guitar rock, as well as Western swaying and traditional country. His style has been compared to Lead Belly and Spade Cooley. Bluesman Taj Bahal once said about Hart, that boy's got thunder in his hands. Here's Alvin singing a Walter Vincent song, Things About Coming My Way.
4: Good time.
2: San Francisco Bay Area. I was born in East Bay, a place called Oakland, home of, former home of the Raiders. The once winningest team in pro football. Y'all remember that? So um, I spent my first, my first 12 years out there. My parents, uh, my parents had both immigrated out to uh, the Bay Area from Mississippi dad in the 40s and my mom in the 50s and they met each other out there because uh, because uh, everybody lived out there I thought that people from Mississippi were hayseeds anyway they said these two should meet each other so so that's how that went and um, so uh, I I got a chance to be exposed to some really cool music living out there in the 60s and 70s you know and uh, one night we were Coming home from um, my oldest brother's football game, and uh, two things happened. When we we'd well, we, we to get a pizza. we were sitting in the car listening to the radio, and uh, two things happened on the radio. One, this was the this was I remember it vividly. This is the first time that I heard uh, heard Bobby Rush on the radio. Right? Who uh, I don't know if y'all are familiar with the great Bobby Rush. The Grammy Award winning Bobby Rush. I heard I was nine, what was nine years old, I think. Somewhere there. For the first time I heard Bobby Rush, you know, was uh, now I, you couldn't have told me back then one day, one day, son, you'll grow up to uh, play music with that man and make records with him and stuff, you know. So couldn't have told me that back then. Two, second thing happened, same same night, same radio station, came a band called Bay Area band called the Flaming Groovies. Y'all hip to the Flaming Groovies? You should be. Anyway, I, um, that was the first time I heard the Groovies, and um, I always thought the Groovies should be the Stones, except, or could have been the Stones, except for the Stones were the Stones. So. But um, they made a lasting impression on me, so I'm gonna play y'all a Flaming Groovies song right now. my favorite is called city lights here we go.
4: Movie stars Autographing Yeah There's so much I wanna see A store-bought
2: suit and a Stetson,
4: in a big fur coat. So the never gets in. Take myself down to the station, ask the girl for information. Yeah, By my trip. NYC see the empire's tallest building where the plane shot that big monkey and they killed him but I'm a fool to go on wishing might as well go on with my fishing yeah Wish I was free. City lights keep calling me, telling me to leave my country home, leave my home, my country home.
2: This tale about um. So there's a little thing I do in this song that I kind of picked up from um, picked up from my cousin, he's a cattle rancher in Mississippi. Um, back back in the 80s, I was uh, I was in the U.S. Coast Guard for seven years, seven years active duty. And um, uh, first three and a half years, I was stationed on a buoy boat down in uh, Natchez, Mississippi. And so I used to ride up on the weekend to my, my family home. It was in a place called Carroll County, Mississippi. And I stay up there with, with my aunt, who was, who was basically like my second grandma. Um, and her son, my cousin, Mr. Elam, is a cattle rancher. So uh, I used to go up there and help him with his cows. In the wintertime, when it was uh, time to feed them, and call them over to where the hay is. Used to do like this, Whee! and they come running. So, uh, so one day I decided, man, I, I ought to incorporate that into my singing career as it was, you know. So I did, and um, so I took that nonsense with me out to Berkeley when I went out there, right? They ain't never heard nothing like that out there, man. So I went to uh, the folk music club out there, you know, and open mic night and I played that foolishness, man, and they were like, Hey, hey, do you want a gig? I'm like, Yes. why? Well, yes I do. Right. So so uh you know that kind of got me got me the gig there and sooner or later I got another another one here and there and next thing you know they asked me to play at the San Francisco Blues Festival and all that kind of thing, you know. And uh next thing you know I got a record deal. The next thing you know, a guy named Denzel Washington asked me to play this song in a Hollywood movie, and it was not a documentary. <laughs> right. uh, I don't know. If, y'all, y'all see this movie called The Great Debaters, starring Denzel. I think that was his directorial debut, as as far as I remember. Um, that was a lot of fun, though. You know, I was glad to, uh, glad to be axed to do that off of that.
4: How long, how long before I can change my clothes? How long, baby, how long before I can change my clothes?
1: Mississippi Blues guitarist and singer Alvin Youngblood Hart, playing an original guitar instrumental, The Washita Run. Alvin started that set with Things About Comin My Way, a tune first heard in the year 1931, followed by City Lights, which was recorded by the Flaming Groovies in 1971. When Can I Change My Clothes, a Bucket White song from 1969. And finally, his instrumental, The Washita Run. Let's take another short break. When we come back, historian Brooks Blevins will continue his history of the famous tourist mecca, Branson, Missouri. This is Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome back to Ozark Highlands Radio. Our friend and guest host, Dr. Brooks Blevins, probably knows more about Ozark history than anyone alive. Here is the latest installment of his segment, Back in the Hills.
5: I was born in mountain country one stormy winter night In a little mountain cabin near a river called the White For more
0: than 30 years, the animated TV show The Simpsons has been reflecting and refracting American culture like a funhouse mirror. Being made fun of on the country's longest-running comedy show is, at the very least, a sign that you've made your way into the national consciousness, for good or for bad. For the most recognizable town in the Ozarks, that moment came in March of 1996, when Bart and three of his school buddies used a fake ID to rent a car and ended up in Branson, Missouri, where they caught a show at Andy Williams's Moon River Theater. Theater to Mr. Williams, but theater to most of us in the Ozarks. It was a sure sign that the little town of a few thousand people had become part of the country's pop-cultural lexicon. But what most Simpsons viewers didn't know was that Branson and the White River country surrounding it had been attracting tourists for more than a century by the time Bart and his friends made their visit. In the first of a three-part series, let's go back in the hills to explore the long history of the most popular tourist destination in the Ozarks. As early as the 1880s, a group of investors envisioned a resort town at the mouth of Marble Cave, known today as Marvel Cave and situated beneath Silver Dollar City, about 10 miles west of Branson. By the 1890s, the White River and its James Fork attracted thousands of outdoorsmen from St. Louis, Kansas City, and Springfield. Hiring local guides, they floated the rivers, fishing and hunting on trips that could last from a few days to a couple of weeks. Nearby Marble Cave became a popular diversion for floaters, prompting a Canadian family named Lynch to build a stage in the cavern, put a piano on it, and charge visitors for tours and shows. But the Lynches would have to wait for new developments before they turned a profit. Those developments happened in short order in the early 20th century. In 1905, the railroad finally arrived in Branson, providing much easier and quicker access to the hills along the White River. Two years later, a young minister named Harold Bell Wright wrote a novel that would change the area's fortune and rebrand the Branson area for generations to come. Inspired by the people Wright met and the stories he heard during a summer convalescing on a farm west of Branson, The Shepherd of the Hills became one of the era's best selling American books. I wouldn't put much stock in the boast that it outsold the Bible, but it was remarkably popular. Before long, smitten readers began arriving on passenger trains looking for the people and places that made Wright's vision of the Ozarks irresistible. In time, tourism would become so central to the Branson area, and this one book was so central to that industry, that a large swath of the White River Hills of southwestern Missouri was labeled Shepherd of the Hills Country. More than a few local residents and newcomers took advantage of this golden opportunity. Levi Morrill, a white-bearded New Englander on whom the minor book character Uncle Ike was based, became a regional celebrity, and his tiny post office in a rural hamlet called Notch was a mandatory stop on every tourist outing. Pearl Spurlock launched a sightseeing business called the Shepherd of the Hills Taxi and became something of a local institution herself. A Springfield family bought the farmhouse of the couple who hosted Wright during his summer in the Ozarks, and transformed it into Old Matt's Cabin from the book, another must-see for travelers. Though Wright claimed he had invented most of the novel's characters, there was no shortage of attractive young women posing as the real heroine Sammy Lane, and for a modest price, you could have your picture made with them. Even with the popularity of The Shepherd of the Hills, though, early Branson tourism didn't reach its peak until after 1913, That was the year that a hydroelectric dam was completed across the White River just downstream from Branson, creating a small reservoir called Lake Taney Como, short for Taney County, Missouri. Most of the electricity generated by the dam was destined for the zinc and lead mines in the Joplin area, but a little of it went to the Cliff House, Rockaway Beach, and other resorts that sprang up on the shores of the new lake, providing yet another piece to the expanding jigsaw puzzle of tourism in Shepherd of the Hills country. By the 1920s, automobiles began to bring more visitors than the railroad. Branson was just a brief detour off Route 66, a national highway connecting Chicago and Los Angeles. And it didn't take long for souvenir shops peddling pottery, white oak baskets, and corncob pipes to pop up along the roads. Just when interest in Harold Bell Wright's old novel seemed to be waning after World War II, A Kansas City couple bought Old Matt's Cabin, convinced a publisher to reprint The Shepherd of the Hills, and began staging an outdoor drama based on the book. It was more than enough to justify the nickname Shepherd of the Hills Country for another generation. But Branson's tourism future was headed elsewhere, toward a phenomenally successful theme park ten miles west of town and a string of live music theaters along the highway leading to it. We'll get to that directly. For now, we're going to let music collector Max Hunter take us back to the river that runs through the heart of the Ozarks and through the heart of Shepherd of the Hills country. Here's Hunter's 1969 recording of Virgil Lance of Mountain Home, Arkansas, singing a song that Mr. Lance wrote himself, Where the Old White River Flows.
5: I was born in mountain country one stormy winter night In a little mountain cabin near a river called The White now I'm longing for those mountains everywhere I go, and my home there in the old arch where the old white river flows. I can hear the pine trees sighing, see the oaks nod in the breeze. I can hear the birds a singing, hear the humming of the bees. I can see those rolling mountains, and my memory fonder grows. Off my home there in the old arch where the old white river flows. So I'm heading far those mountains, back to their rocks and rills. Far I seem to be yearning for those old white river hills. When I get back to those mountains, then I never more will go from my home down in the old arch where the old white river flows. Thanks, Brooks. Let's
1: take the time now to listen to a couple more blues songs from Alvin Youngblood Hart. Hart himself says that his big break came when he opened for Taj Mahal for four nights at Yoshi's. His debut album, Big Mama's Door, was released in 1996 on OK Records. In 2003, Hart's album Down in the Alley was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Traditional Blues Album. Here he is with the screaming and hollering blues. I'll
2: probably play you the first Charlie Patton song I learned. So I have to tell you about uh, I first heard of Charlie Patton. I was 13 years old. Uh, I was hanging out with my brother Rick, with our uncle, our uncle Henry Elam, uh, the father of my cousin the cattle rancher. This is back in 1976. We were uh, we were in Mississippi Carroll County, Mississippi. And my brother, who was six years older than me, was uh, he was already into like you know kind of record collecting and all that kind of thing, whatever you know. So uh, he he's like. Interviewing our uncle, like like he's Alan Lomax or some damn thing, you know, and um, he says, uh, you know, starts naming off all these different musicians to our uncle. You ever heard of this guy? He's like, no, no, I've never heard of him. Blah blah blah, I never heard of him. Soon he threw out a name to uh, up until that day that I'd never heard. He says, what about Charlie Patton? And then all of a sudden, like uncle lit up, man. Like uh, I say, like um, you know that. That dog whistle that you blow that can't nobody hear it but the dog and his zero stand up, man. It, w- it was like that. So, uh, I was uh, I was like, wow, man, Rick knows a lot about this stuff, man. You know, mm-hmm. I was impressed. Uh, so, when I got home, I decided, all right, I'm going to check out this Charlie Patton guy, you know. So, uh, I went to the library, as you did, back in 1976 and checked out the record, right. I got it home, put it on the turntable and I was like this big question mark bubble up over my head this and I said all right let me listen again." you know so uh, it took me like about five or six listens to finally be able to start to hear the music between them, scrambled eggs, you know. And, and um, once I was, once I finally got it and heard the music. You know what happened? My ears stood up like that dog whistle. <laughs> Alright, I'll play this thing called it "Screaming and holland Blues."
4: Yeah. <laughs> So
2: Thank you all
1: very much. You've been listening to Mississippi blues artist Alvin Youngblood Heart, belting out a Charlie Patton song from 1925, The Screaming and Hollering Blues. Alvin finished up the show with an original song, Big Mama's Door. I hope you've enjoyed this week's venture into a style of music that we don't often present on Ozark Highlands Radio. Listen in again next week. You never know what you're going to hear. This is your host, Dave Smith. Bye, everybody.
6: Ozark Highlands Radio is produced by Jeff Glover.